Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, and this friend of ours, Tom Kennett, joins us today too. The matchup we'll be getting into today is 1997's Donnie Brasco versus 2012's Lawless. How are we doing today? Not looking forward to this pod. Why? Because I know somewhere somewhere in your notes is something designed to annoy me because of how many times you and I have spoken about this film. Uh, I, just, I don't think that's accurate, but um, I, I moved away from the cheap intro that I did have down. Um, what was the cheap intro? <laughs> I was going to mention only you and then say, oh, there's someone else. Um, I forgot about it. Um, oh, so <laughs> bad, so bad. I, I think you made the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> More that's, that's genuinely just not even a good intro. At least yours was good. I just know at some point, somewhere in your vast amount of notes, is something written to, to annoy me, and then that I'll have to listen good. to that little wheeze laugh. The intro, <laughs> the intro I did um, last week fell on such, such deaf ears with you and Sean that I actually removed it from the episode <laughs> because I squirmed listening to it. Back. What was it? What was it? I can't remember. Um, I did the Den of Thieves like every this many hours minutes and replaced a bank oh yeah, yeah. Um, and i took it out because like it I don't was like as it. if i didn't say it not even like just if it just wasn't mm. said i yeah. uh i don't like that from you stick stand by your man stand by your <laughs> well instead i just took it out and inserted um sean discussing whether he'd want his bird to get his name tattooed into the intro big shoot that's nice yeah Gave it like you know um, you that with some usually like comedy podcasts where they give you a little teaser. Um, I don't know if that teased people in or not, but that was mm. that was the idea. Oh, is that why you sent me that clip? Yeah, yeah, because it was. Uh, I thought it was all Um. Anyway, we will start with Donnie Brasco. An FBI undercover agent infiltrates the mob and finds himself identifying more with the mafia life at the expense of his regular. What do you think the critics think of this? Masterpiece. What do you reckon, TK? I would have, I would assume they like it. Depth's obviously pretty slick, isn't it? I would thought they'd be all over it. Yeah, well, I've got the reviews from the Times, so a bit more accurate. Uh, this is Depp's coming-of-age role, and he is terrific. Pacino, who's shown more flash than substance recently, reminds us how great he can be when he loses himself inside of a character. Just misses ranking in the upper echelon of mob movies. Do you agree with I that? I always said that to you. I've always said that to you. What did they say? Uh, they say it just misses out on the upper echelon of mob movies. Yeah, that's, that's that probably, a fair, probably a fair take. Uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it's fair. I think the argument I have with Keenan, which we won't go completely into because we'll be here a while, I said that... Four minutes. It was, very, it was <laughs> one of the most rewatchable mob movies. What he actually said was, it's better than Goodfellas. And I no, was like, it, what you did... Said, multiple times wasn't what i said it was play the tape wasn't you it, it wasn't on tape it was no, convenient <laughs> convenient you you heard the word goodfellas and 
suddenly everything <laughs> else. He was ready to fight. Like I was playing a dog whistle while speaking, and you were a dog. <laughs> it's often it's often like you're playing a dog whistle. Um, <laughs> um, a rich, satisfying gumbo of backstabbing, shady business maneuvers, and mayhem. Want some gumbo, Keenan? Oh, I fucking love gumbo, mate. But I just don't like seafood. But if you do it like chicken, treats and all, oh, mate, so good. <laughs> it's actually fire. My dad makes an unreal version of it, strangely. Um, a white bloke from middle-class England doing Creole food. <laughs> um, maybe the best mob movie in years that was made by somebody whose name is not Scorsese or Coppola. Hmm. So, like, his reviews agree a lot more with me than they do you, Byron. <laughs> Strange. I mean, I never said it was better than The Godfather, did I? <laughs> no, I did say better than Goodfellas, didn't you? Such a weird again, take as well. Again, you do this. Um, it's like a praise knocked up, and so you just refuse to praise the film because I've praised it. I've well, we're we're uh, we're, we're we haven't got to my thoughts on the film yet, have we? So you can't say that. It's weird. You keep kicking it. This is like you think if you give it six insults and a compliment. When you asked me what I thought the critics were going to say of this film, I used the word masterpiece. Yes, no. really, there was a tone to your voice. It was like, um, the way you approach this is like you've said, you're looking a lot chubbier than the last time I saw you, but your top's nice. I like it. <laughs> Did I say that to you the last time I saw you? <laughs> no, I think you said I'd slim down, which I knew I, was a lie, but I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I did feel you slim down. I did like the Christmas jumper. Green. It's a good colour on you, actually. Uh, and finally... Pacino's outstanding work elevates this to the crime movie pantheon. Which I guess is the idea, because we are doing a crime movie bracket. Yeah, yeah it's nice, nicely fitting that one. Then. Yeah. Um, credit to us then for uh, picking the films out. They've obviously touched on it a bit there. You've basically got two people, one saying it just sneaks into the upper pantheon, one being just out. It's kind of like a borderline Hall of Famer, isn't it? It's like, should Arturo Gatti get into the Hall of Fame? It's borderline. Yeah, which is because I probably prefer this to some that would undoubtedly be in there. But I can, I mean, we'll get into where the flaws are and that kind of thing. And and the reasons I like it. So I thought we'd do it a bit differently, this one. Um, I thought there's a lot more talking points to this than to just reel off the trivia as if it was like facts. So I've kind of broken it down. So if we could How start... are you trying to slip this in? You do this every time <coughs> that you've got a film you like. You only bring this. I've seen you bring out this this three times. This is exactly how we played Ferris Bueller. This is exactly how we played Back to the Future. And now this is exactly how we're playing. Uh, no, this. we don't talk about the Back to the Future podcast. <laughs> Why? Because uh, it was a, it was it was a bit extended. And um, oh yeah, yeah, we learned from our mistakes. But this is exactly how you played it. He, I like that you just try and slip it. Oh, I've thought about it, made some tweaks. It's not just, actually. It's it's um, I'm just trying to avoid us going through the truth behind Donnie Brasco because that's what the majority of the trivia is. So rather than just spilling out the long, extended, random notes I have, I've tried to have some kind of order so we're a bit more uh, collected. Collected. That's the word you want to use for our podcast. Yeah, I mean, I do my best. Um, some films just give me more inspiration to do so than others. If you uh, if you do your best, I certainly don't, mate. And some give me a bit more to work with. This one, I thought if we could start with Al Pacino loves this film because he says he was able to use all of the rich mafia slang throughout the film. Um, the writer, Paul Atanasio, 
he says he was able to capture it so accurately because essentially he didn't need to come up with it himself. He had the complete collection of Joseph Pistone's wiretaps. And so he was able to pick things out, much like the forget about it scene, and ask, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? And so they could make it authentic from start to finish without seeming to... Uh, I mean, you've watched The Sopranos, Keenan, um, TK started it, but there's something in there. I haven't seen it all. Yeah, I'm not going to reference the spoiler. Um, but there's certain quotes that are used in there for the sake of it to be a bit of fanfare, to try and get almost catchphrasy. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, it's just designed to be how the people in the mob were talking at the time and the fact it can be so accurate and then flows. I mean, we can go straight into the Goodfellas reference that you have here. And I think this whole film just makes you smile while listening to these guys speak. And I actually think it's the closest to Goodfellas in that regard in terms of the way the dialogue moves and how it flows and how it can maintain the serious tone with putting these little comments in that either just make you kind of nod your head in, that sounds cool, or just make you laugh along because there's a lot of almost like little punchlines in this. Yeah, but it's the way, again, it's just the way from sort of the areas that you're talking about in the time scale you're talking about it, it hardship tends to breed funny people it's odd but it is true that first scene that we get with Donnie and Lefty going back and I mean the scene starts with them debating the Lincoln and the Cadillac which loops back round for the forget about it scene but you just have those two going back and forth about the Fugazi ring and you get just in that scene alone Forget about it, Fugazi, Dunsky, uh, Donnie just kind of looking at him and saying, look, give it to someone that doesn't know better, it's a Fugazi. And you get instantly, we always say about the scenes in which the two actors can almost just try and like one-up each other. And I think right from the start, we don't have to wait for it in this one, you get the two of them just going back and forth, and that's inside the opening five minutes to really just settle you into the film. That chemistry is sort of there instantly as well, isn't it? It's just, this is a good thing. I don't know if, if you've recently found out how much they enjoy working together, but it comes across well on the screen. So I didn't take down the entire story, but supposedly there was not friction between them at first, but they didn't really know how to take each other. You would imagine that, wouldn't you? And fairly si- very fairly similar. I don't well, know if they're fairly similar. Well, I think someone had told Depp that he needed to kind of get on Pacino's softer side. And he wasn't sure how to approach it. It was almost like pussyfooting around him. And then they shot the scene uh, when they're driving in the car. That was one of the first scenes they shot. And they're trying to have a serious conversation. And Johnny Depp, like a six-year-old, brought a whoopee cushion into the car with him. Oh, God. And apparently Pacino didn't really get the joke. He thought he was actually farting at first. (laughs) Just out loud in the middle of the scene. And he got really wound up about it. And then he pulls the whoopee cushion out. And then from that point onwards, he says it was like he just disarmed him. And then there was no real brinkmanship between them. They could just fire from the hip. They could do the things that maybe they wouldn't have been comfortable doing before. And because they got that the way so early, everything else is just smooth. Turns out the whoopee cushion works. <laughs> so I think it would as well. I do think that works. Like in most, in a lot of situations, I think you, you do that. Sound like you're talking from experience, though. Right? You've <laughs> no, gone, no. In, gone into work, try and break the ice a bit. Stick that under Lisa's chair. Eden's last three interviews, he's just stuck a whoopee cushion <laughs> in the boss's chair. I haven't. Look, if you don't like this, this isn't the place for me. <laughs> I, I haven't. I haven't had a job interview in a very long time, boys. Loyal man. Did the job. Loyal man, man. 
He wanted to get that on record, didn't he? If you're listening, <laughs> boss. Not going for any interviews. My my uh, my boss does does listen to the potty comments on quite often. So <laughs> <laughs> big man, <laughs> big man, you know you know who you are. Um, I wrote down just quotes. I, I can tell usually, like with some films, I almost don't want to write any notes because I just want to take the whole film in. Always, sometimes I feel like there's so many little tidbits that I might forget later. And I was just like a maniac, just typing and typing and typing throughout this. Even going back and reading the quotes yesterday and some of them, I mean, when Lefty says, in all the five boroughs I've known, forget about it. And he shrugs his shoulders as he says, forget about <laughs> it. I've watched that clip about 20 times this week. It's just perfect. And I can't imagine that's in the script. It's just Pacino feeling himself in the moment. I'm not all over the fucking world. Anybody else about Lefty from Mulberry Street? You're pissing up the wrong street, my friend. And you Mulberry just know. Street as well. It's just very, got... very so specific. Because <laughs> I want to do a bit more about the character of Lefty um, a bit later on, because I've got some more stories about Pacino. But this whole thing, we don't need a full build-up of, look, this is a guy, almost like Departed style. We don't need the Superstone going through the ranks as a police officer, being sent to go undercover. This does the job. Already we're in. We like the two characters, and then we're off. The character of Lefty is just so good as well, isn't it? It's the way he like talks about himself there, and in reality, he's just kind of just your everyday, yeah, sort of hood. Really, it's just it's a great. You kind of at the start of the movie, if you've never seen this before. I think you kind of think this is going to be Pacino doing Pacino. I.e., he's the main guy. He's the big boss man. He kind of sells himself as such, and very quickly you establish, oh no, this guy's pretty much middle of the ranks here kind of forgotten about and it's, I, I like how different that is to the usual Pacino sort of character at that time I was reading a take from someone earlier who went into this knowing nothing they said they were literally just told it's a mafia film you've got Johnny Depp you've got Pacino and they're like so I sat down as you said I assume Pacino's going to be the Don Johnny mm. Depp's going to be his son or he's going to be some guy on the come up and then it's just not that at all always felt to me no. that the comp the comp with this was sometimes a, a Bronx tale where you've got De Niro not in the main role in that either like he's not even involved in crime full stop and i was like that both were able to show sort of a slightly different side to themselves but they're not the main guy what a sensational film that is by the way mm. got that a bit further down the line i believe keenan i know i made sure it, i made sure it was in. <laughs> i love that just, film. just a bit more on the kind of dialogue and the little things you get here uh, a pinch of salt a punch of salt uh, i enjoyed that at the time um the enthusiasm from lefty talking about his coco van <laughs> not something you're, you're usually going to see in a mob film um, how much did you laugh to yourself when you wrote that joke which the Coco Van one because they're like I, I, I would I'd say we know each other reasonably well and there's no way you've just chucked that in for no reason <laughs> I genuinely don't think I made a joke or the, the double entendre if you will is essentially what it's actually played I'll have to listen film. to it back he was enthusiastic about his cock of arm. There was, oh, a, okay. there was okay. a certain tone to which you said that. There is, there was, and there was an impish delight into which <laughs> well, you no, said I mean, those words. What you're seeing here is uh, this is all natural. <laughs> this is a natural flair, <laughs> the talent that's coming through here. Um, talent, okay. Interesting. <laughs> I got cancer of the prick. Just really caught me off guard. <laughs> I don't remember that being in the film. I don't. Outrageous. And. Um, Right near the end of the film, come on, Donnie, help me fillet this fat fuck. Just because it was hot flight. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no nice way of saying that, but 
I mean, if you're going to say it, that's probably the way to say it. I was going to say, I think that's an incredible way of saying it. I mean, he gets capped about two seconds later. Not, not bad last words. When it comes to the casting then, so Pacino was actually originally going to play Brasco. Um, and so when he switched to lefty, he recommended Johnny Depp, supposedly. Hadn't worked with him before, just appreciated his work and said that he'd be a good man for the role. Don't even know what Johnny Depp had done by this point. Um, I mean, he's mm. 34 at the time. He's not done too much. Something else I wanted to reference, by the way. Um, the direct Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and Donnie Brasco on your resume. I mean, there's quite the jump. <laughs> Get you somebody that can do both. I wish he got... We've got... He's done Lawless and Four Weddings and a Funeral. So it's like... Oh, jeez. The range. I wish he could have squeezed and forget about it in Harry Potter. As I said, I've been saying it all week. I said it to someone at work. They just asked, I'll just forget about it. And then did the cheery smiles to myself. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> Do you know what that reminds me of? That thing you sent me the other week about a guy who watched The Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever I speak to Harper now, we just keep referencing going, oh, about The Sopranos. I've not got a Amaron into my uh, vocabulary, but uh, maybe a bit down the line. If you see me calling myself Luca Byroni, don't ask any questions. <laughs> I really um, didn't like that. According to Paul Atanasio, the writer, so Johnny Depp's 1994 arrest for destroying a hotel room helped him get cast. He says the public now thought he was dangerous. <laughs> Little did we know. <laughs> oh, you say that. He was the one getting that work. Yeah, justice for Johnny. <sighs> I mean, lost out on millions. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the text we've seen since then suggest he probably wasn't completely... <laughs> yeah, the, 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 that's, that, those texts. I don't know how you... If you're um, Paul Bettany, I don't know, I'm not sure how you're letting that ride. <laughs> yeah. But he was making the jokes himself. <laughs> I know, but when he, talk, when he, well, when he talks about yeah, necrophilia, yeah. I just think, if that's one of you boys, I'll say, hey, look, come on. <laughs> we all like a lot. Yeah. We all like a joke, lads. Let's throw it in a bit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. There's a time and a place, and they, they, they say no. Um, Keenan, I actually wrote this down. Do you think I could pull off a mustache like Donny at the start of this? Yes. Good to know. The, look, um, the nice, the like, the short, like, it's a great thinnish mustache. Yeah, I might just thin my face down a bit first to give it the full yeah, effect. Yeah, don't know. I mean, definitely, but yeah, like uh, man, boy. As it is now, I think you'd make a good job of it. I always liked you with a stash. I think I was the only yeah, one who did. Yeah, but... you were. Yeah, I really oh, you look good as well. Well, I remember opening the door to my brother and his girlfriend, and she just laughed, and I thought, that's not really the, the response I was going to. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty, that. I love her. I, I love her. Fair <laughs> Un- Unreal. Keenan, while we're talking about um, the uh, outfits and uh, all that on display here, yeah. I think I could see you wearing a pair of those uh, brown tinted aviators that Lefty has. You pull up on race week in a cream suit, some light brown aviators, I think you'll rock the place. I would need to slim down for that. Oh, I'd love to have a face thin enough to wear glasses. <laughs> Every time I see a mod movie, I believe I could pull off a white suit. Um, you would look like a slave trader. <laughs> I'm sorry, and I don't. I'm not making that joke lightly. You would honestly. That's exactly what you would look like. Do you know uh, the scene in South Park with, the student, with the student <laughs> with the student athletes? That's exactly how you'd look. There's a lad I used to work with who has a light pink suit, and it is unbelievable. But that's it. It is exactly what he looks like, and that's why he doesn't wear it because he's like, 
Oh, God. People <laughs> wear worse on race week, to be fair. They do. Yeah, yeah do. it's true. But um, flowery shirt I had, where someone said, the only thing stopping me getting punched is that I wear glasses. Not really the <laughs> impression I was going for, but... <laughs> It's a good in my privileges, maybe. Good to know he respected the glasses enough <laughs> to even hit you them. Um, Joe Pesci was Mike Newell's first choice for Nicky. Essentially, um, <laughs> Casino comes out uh, two years before, I believe. And they were yeah. like, yeah, this, this guy's probably a bit too big to be doing this. Yeah. Doesn't seem unfair. Okay, so Ray Liotta was wanted for the role of Sonny Black. At some point, when you're directing a mob movie, I need to see a bit of creativity. Look, I'm doing something new here. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying, but on the other hand, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I was about to say, if it ain't broke. Yeah, it's almost not trivia by that point, is it? Like, look, you want Joe Pesci in your mafia film. So does everyone. Yeah. Yeah, but you're the one raising it as trivia. You could have just left out. I'm sure we would have got there on our own. I like to give the people what they want. It's not just about me. But you're giving it to us and then bitching and moaning about it. Make your mind up. You like you. you the these are your choices about the contents. In this case, you literally do both because you're the one that selects the contents. You are you are you are writing the letters, delivering them, and then moaning that you don't like them. It might be something you want to hear, so I like to make sure. Um, speaking of you, actually, um, quitting smoking is the next uh, topic. Al Pacino. <laughs> smoking by the time filming began so he smoked herbal cigarettes which everyone said was far worse because they absolutely stink mm, yeah they do it's the um it's what they sort of the standard used for fake facts isn't it? at various points tom cruise and john travolta were attached to the project what roles do we think they had sorry who, cruise and whom john travolta travolta Christ. sunny black maybe yeah that was where i was going cruise has to be donny presumably yeah, I like Imagine. Tom Cruise. I don't like Tom Cruise in this film. Him and Pacino have been in a film together, right? Where's that problem? Yeah. Right there. It's a good question. question. The issue with Tom Cruise is that because of how short he is, you have to shoot everything then at like a low angle, which just completely wipes out half of what the director wants to do. It's Keanu Reeves. So I was wrong on both counts. Okay. Just so just think it. Like, imagine Pacino with his over the top star, and then Cruise with his over the top star. Cruise going for it. Yeah. It would Bloody be. Hell insane i do have some another cast that was going to be in this film and you'll be pleased with it so i'm not going to complain about this one but i would also like you to tell me how you would cast these three people alec baldwin nicholas cage john cusack john cusack can just go and play donny john cusack do whatever he wants to be honest and what about (laughs) nicholas cage and alec baldwin Baldwin can go and be Sonny Black. Baldwin can be Sonny Red. Fuck him. <laughs> Since that shooting, TK's got no time for him. <laughs> for a party the next night. I've got to worry about this guy. He's a psycho. Can Nicolas Cage, um, I'm assuming by the fact it's actually named here, it's a bigger role. He can slot in like uh, Paul Giamatti in the uh, Forget About It scene, which is weird seeing him there. But he could do in there. <laughs> Just have a little moment where the camera goes at him and he goes, forget about it. It would really, really weird me out if uh, <laughs> if it was just Cage in there. <laughs> just, it would actually take me out of the scene, I think. It's bizarre seeing Giamatti now, though, with he's only got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Billions has done absolute bits for him, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. 
Um, I've got a few points. Um, pretty big before that, actually. But sorry. A few points about the accuracy. So Joker Stone claims that the movie is about eighty-five percent accurate. Not bad. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Mm. The fact that the whole thing it's based on is then his book, so you can probably take about ten to fifteen percent off that for people that don't have a background to it. So the character of Lefty is essentially a combination of Lefty and Sonny. That's the character that they've kind of merged into one. Um, To prepare for the role, Johnny Depp actually did get to meet with Pistone several times and took shooting lessons from the FBI. Um, Supposedly, Pistone and him would just lift weights together and then just talk about life in the mob, I guess. Um, when Donnie and Nikki read the newspaper headline about the boss being killed, the picture actually does show mob boss Carmen Galante, who was killed in the back of a New York restaurant in 1979. So they licensed the picture, put it on the newspaper for that, just to add a, another little touch. Hmm. The movie ends with the implication that Lefty was killed after being sent for. In real life, it was actually Sonny Black that was murdered um lefty was actually intercepted by the fbi on his way to where he would have ultimately been killed and then he was arrested and uh, i mean it's led to believe there was some cooperation but can't uh it's not completely confirmed sonny black's body was found on staten island a year later um orchestrated by joe messino who was then convicted in 2005 Lefty was charged with conspiracy to commit murder, extortion, distribution of controlled dangerous substances, and running an illegal gambling operation. He got 20 years in prison, but received early parole in 92. He was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer and died in 94. So he still didn't get a nice end. but Didn't deserve what he got. He wasn't tapped. The thing that Pistone used to sell his book, he says, because of how convincing he was, he claims the process was actually beginning in that he was going to become a made guy they they reckon that didn't they yeah sonny um this was sonny 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 uh, basically the story was that sonny Black was gonna was basically gonna blag it for him wasn't it obviously become a made guy you they give you a target you go out kill him make your bones but they were they reckon he would have would have got away without it he must have been a really mm. slick guy um because <laughs> anything i text tk this Depp is obviously reasonably charming in this film that's kind of the point of his character when you listen to anything about Pistone and when I mean I've read his book he comes across as quite a prick to be honest with you which he does come across a bit of a prick yeah (laughs) he's certainly not and I know we always talk about what you actually look like compared to uh, the actor they get to play you they've thinned him down and they've thickened his hair they've done him a huge solid with what they've done for his hair. That man was struggling yeah. at the time. And Depp, they've said, look, you're a handsome guy. We're not going to ask you to cut your hair. People would rather see you looking like this. So he gets away with it. It's not quite Let's belted to Leo. You get told Depp's playing you, you're thrilled, aren't you? Let's face it. <laughs> and that, you've got to be a very handsome man to be unhappy with that outcome. From what you gather about his stone, he may have been unhappy. He, he may have been wanting, like, look, you're not going to get proud of it. Stone claims that he didn't actually see his family for at least two years while he was undercover. Um, we see in the film that he kind of goes back and forth um, more frequently than he would have been. 
You buy that though, don't you? Yeah. Because you'd be shit. Imagine like you'd be shit. It, it only takes. It, it, yeah. just, it only takes one person to spot you. Like I know they live in a different place, but you, you like you don't know. Like no, you think you're in this world. You're in this world where you are. Jar friend, a friend of yours, a friend of ours, and like you, you're just there's so many different people you're you're mixing with. Yeah, I always thought that was a, a friend of mine, a friend of ours. Like you just don't, you just don't know. I thought that was a whole person in there that I thought he just kind of just goes back at regular points to his like regular life. Like how would nobody ever cotton yeah. on to that? Where are you yeah. going? Pisses off at Christmas. Pisses off at Christmas for two weeks. No one's like, hey, like we had we had some work to do. Where where are you? <laughs> yeah. Each yeah. Time they basically you're, say, you're an orphan, but you're just banging on holiday for four weeks. Like what, what are you doing? <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> Always at Christmas as well. X and he says, no, no, I wasn't. And they're like, oh, sound all right, okay. We'll move on. Yeah, we question you on everything else, but that we're just, we're just going to let that slide. You carry on. How do you feel about these uh, uniform regulations? No mustache, no jeans, no wallet. No jeans is a fucker. No wallet would get uh, my anxiety would be through the roof. I mean, just going out with um, the person we know whose name rhymes with waft, um, and I mean he's not around around with cash. Even just people just carry their just like debit cards in their pockets without a wallet. I haven't carried a wallet in about four years. Yeah. What's the cash? Nah, everything's digital these days, isn't it? Yeah. I never never put my card on my phone. Just, I, I know, love it. It was a bit of a violation. <laughs> that one there is a violation, as always. Um, uh, I love it, mate. It, like, making it, it streamlines your life, honestly. That and the calendar on my phone, honestly. I'm real. Uh, I'll be honest, Byron. I think you'd have bigger concerns than not going out with a wallet in this scenario. I think if, <laughs> if your anxiety is going for the roof about that, imagine someone's even going to pinch you or kill you. I think that, bring me a, that mustache would bring me a certain level of confidence. So if I had that as well, well, I think the two and two can go together. No mustache is harsh, not right? Yeah, it does, does seem harsh. Some of what the other people are wearing, I think they could do with a bit more. Get a bit of jazz on that top lip. No jeans is an odd one as well. That would re- that really would that really would tie tie me up a bit. You're not going down the pub. It's serious business. <laughs> oh, um, at, at the beginning of the film, when Lefty meets him as uh, Don the jeweler, he tells him that wise guys keep their money in a roll with the beaner on the outside. I guess it's a perfect way of describing his character in that when it comes to the end of the film and he's taking out his belongings he has a solitary five dollar bill no role that he's taken out none of this that he likes to portray and the lifestyle he wants to live for all he says that's that's what he has and i thought when you put that at the start and you put that at the end rounds it off nicely mm. the the first scene the first scene that really gives you like do you know the first scene that gives you the inkling or oh, it's not maybe not the first, but the one that gives you the big the big inkling into his life is when they're outside the social club. Yeah, they're just trying to cast an eye on each other. He's making some small talk, and Sonny Red's just like, "You got my fucking money? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be late." And you're, you're like, well, not everything's yeah. He absolutely kills it. Absolutely kills him off. Oh, he um, suns him, doesn't he, in front of everyone? That's a proper in your place moment. Mm. Bit on Pacino because we always like this the stories about him, and this one really got me. So. Michael Madsen impulsively proposed to and married his now wife during a two-day break in filming. 
According to Michael Madsen, he returned to set and Pacino was just disgusted with his impulsiveness. He says, I've almost <laughs> congratulated him. And Pacino was just fuming. He's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Good Catholic boy though, aren't they? They're still married now. It's like, okay, it may have been impulsive. They obviously knew that this, <laughs> that this worked. It's just phenomenal that everyone's buzzing and Pacino's just shaking his head. That's so good. They called him a mutt. <laughs> Brought him back down to earth. What are you doing? Have you got a prenup? <laughs> well, that's um, good. now, so he might, might have just done right. Yeah, yeah, I will yeah. say, um, so I think if Al Pacino just started criticising me, I'd take that to, I'd very much take that to what? I'd be questioning, should I have done this? <laughs> yeah, even even to the point, I'd be like, well, two days, we, we can probably get rid of it. We can probably yeah. make get away with it quite Does get, it really count? It. It's only been two days. Just Hopefully she'll forget about it. Something, no pun intended. Something I noted down um, from the first typewriter transition you get after you kind of have it revealed that Brasco is actually for stone. When, when they're reeling through, it says uh, lefty, a.k.a. lefty two guns, a.k.a. half-cock, a.k.a. horse-cock. <laughs> that seems quite, quite contradictory to me. <laughs> That's quite the jump. Oh, well, I confirm Pacino's I, asked for the old horse-cock to go in there. <laughs> how frequently is this nickname called where like, the FBI feel they need to have it on record that, that we could hear about this horse-cock? In this <laughs> if anyone asks, that's lefty. Well, obviously enough. But then the fact that also the same amount of people are calling him half-cock. Mm. Which, considering he's, his reference to his cancer is probably not the kindest nickname. <laughs> <laughs> if you meet someone you're trying to explain, like, you know, lefty, you know, lefty two guns, you know, you know a half-cock, and they're like, who? Horse oh, okay. Yeah, now I know. <laughs> Sorry, the but biggest small cock in the world. <laughs> it's just pure girth. <laughs> the original tone was actually lefty um, I know the film has to condense it obviously but the way the film portrays this like lefty is ready to risk it all for Donnie after a week like he's like yeah. I would die for you my man you are my guy and I'll ride or die with you to the end yeah and you never really see the like really Donnie doesn't do a lot I guess he just gives him the time of day doesn't he yeah, I know, but like, there's like, you expect, I don't know what you expect. Something to earn that level of trust, yeah. Yeah, you expect the scene. I don't know, they do a job together, oh, they do something. Ring. Yeah, but I mean, the ring ain't worth you. Eh, the ring, ring's not worth the risk that you being it's wrong about car. him. That, that whole scene with the drive and then the club they go into feels like very like GTA Vice City kind of style mm. with the bar, yeah. you've got the collars up, everything about it is just so outlandish but very cool and does still feel real at the same time because yes Pacino and Depp are bigger than the scene so it keeps it all contained nicely um you, you're kind of waiting for the the whole I'm kind of waiting for Al to crack in this where it's sort of like he would never be trusting this guy how, how did you meet well, he's this guy sidled up to me in a bar I told him ah oh, that rings a fake and now we're boys <laughs> this would never in a normal circumstance, wouldn't work. Let alone in a group where they're notoriously on edge. Not, not that I think Lefty put in this kind of work, but I know the story in the book, at least, is that Stone put in some serious graft, just hanging around the places these guys would be, just developing this reputation as Don the Jeweler. 
just he's put in enough favors for people he's put in enough time just explaining things and then keeping it's fair that obviously the film can't really show no, that that's fair enough it's also the restraint to not go up to one of these people and try to initiate conversation and also to let them, them come to you yeah you read like if you read a lot of undercover files on it that's very much the that's very much a, a thing do you know what i mean you, um, um it's all about let, letting people come to you and it because they're gonna be on edge yeah if you let people think something's their idea yeah yeah have you read his book keenan i haven't mate no it's quite short like um even if you were going to listen to it it's like a couple of hours at most hmm. i don't like, really do you know i don't really do the oh, no, i'm just just to kind of quantify the the hmm. width of the book um yeah you could you could do it in like a couple of nights easy hmm. okay um Something you referenced earlier, Keenan, when, uh, not Keenan, TK, when you compared it to uh, De Niro. This is very rare for a mobster film, isn't it? This is almost like a second-hand mobster. Like, he's an ambitious, committed family man that wants to rise the ranks. He couldn't. And not even for the same way that, like, Henry or Jimmy Cat in Goodfellas. It's not for blood. It's just that he's not respected by anyone at all. So you get these moments in the film creep up because you see just two different people around Donnie he gets to play the big shot he gets to teach him about the mob lifestyle give him these little tips and tricks which works perfectly for him obviously and then he gets to feel important while really to anyone other than Donnie at this point he's not important to anyone so it's very rare that you would see this without the kind of money power respect side that you would get on almost any other mafia film but you think no matter how big deal you are right and it is a good point but you think for the majority of guys that's the life definitely yeah you, yeah, you yeah. don't usually get to spend time with those people on film do no, you no no you're right you're right and it is a, like, a good point but you think for how big especially when this was filmed the organizations are very few are obviously at the top are they yeah the, there's one guy at the top this is the filters down this is more reality than the, yeah. the sort of the glamorized version we're used to seeing isn't it this is the this is the nine to five of it basically, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This is the groundwork. He's kind of it helps with going towards making Lefty likable as well. Is that he's a? It seems like a more regular guy. Like, we'll have all met someone like this who kind of thinks of themselves as probably a bit more important than they are, and it quickly dawns on you, yeah, this person is not what they're sort of claiming to be. But it's just one of those maybe ego or whatever. They're just kind of pumping themselves up a little bit. They don't mean anything bad by it. And this is just in, the, in a context of they kill people <laughs> instead of the usual context that you would meet people in. But traditionally, if we were going to see this character, he's only this character for, what, the first half an hour? And then you go on the kind of Scarface trajectory where he does end up being the boss mm. and it goes horribly wrong. Yeah. You don't get this guy who, if anything, is stock falls during the film. Yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't even really get dragged up with Donnie, does he? He's just kind of cut adrift. Yeah, that the scene on the boat where he can't even get Traficante's attention, and yet Donnie gets introduced to him. It, he's he's supposed to be a tragic character, isn't he? Like the whole thing. Mm. There's people who refer to this. It is being like a dramatic tragedy. For yeah, he is a tragic character, isn't it? It's odd that he's the victim. It is, but you do feel for him, don't you? There are scenes where it's like, it's like someone kicking a dog. And if you that said to me, without watching this film, that Pacino would have that in him, I would have said, I'm not sure about that. But he, he absolutely nails it, obviously. Does it the, the scene with Sonny Red, to reference it again, but it's when 
like he, he physically jumps back when he turns to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like someone shouted at a kid or something, and they 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 flinched. Does it help Pacino's case that you, we've spoken about it before, TK, on the other podcast in boxing sometimes, where if you get butted in the one round and then you do slightly better in the next round, some people will have you winning the round because you did better than expected. Because Pacino is usually so kind of grandiose and his characters are so charismatic. Does it, do we appreciate it more when he does this because it's just so unexpected? Oh, most definitely. Like, yeah, it yeah. Shouldn't, shouldn't be out of the realms of possibility that we expect this from Pacino, but we still are impressed when he does what we know he can do. Yeah, this is a flexibility to it, and he doesn't try to overpower it, and he's able to be the this kind of smaller guy. As, as Keenan's pointed out there, literally even this, not even necessarily what he's saying, he just physically kind of shirks confrontation with Sonny and we instantly kind of have an idea of this hierarchy without it even really much being have, having to actually be said which is kind of a level of acting that not many people have got in them and as I said because Pacino normally goes so big you'd have questioned if he can do that going in but obviously he can I asked Keenan a difficult question earlier and I'm going to ask you one now TK Keenan you'll be answering this after um, TK top three Pacino performances in order Oh, Jesus. Okay. Um, the Godfather does have to go in as top. That is the correct one answer, or two. I think. Okay. We get, we're gonna, uh, can I go one and two? Can I, can I have yeah, that yeah. as, as my front two? Uh, third one. This was better than I remembered, in fairness. Uh, there's so many. You've caught me on the hop here. What I like to do. And I get the benefit of preparing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels... Uh, it feels like it's a bit cheap and it feels very much like the over-the-top Pacino. But I think potentially him in Scent of a Woman playing a blind guy does it pretty well. He gets a lot of heat, doesn't it? But I actually thought that's a really good film. Never, I've never seen it, so my answer is going to be quite tainted. Cause I, can't I really guess yours, give you the films You can. Okay, I'm going to say... Are you guessing the order or just the films? I'm going to guess the order. Okay. I'm going to say... Godfather 2, Heat, Godfather 1. No, sir. Okay, hit me with it. Scarface, Godfather 2, Heat. Okay, that was my order. I was undecided between Brasco and Heat for the third place, and they are complete polar opposites, which is what makes it very interesting. Heat, maybe Heat's fourth. Heat might be fourth, mate, you know. It feels, it feels actually disgraceful because I, 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 there's a lot of his films that I haven't seen like I've never seen Glenn Gary Glenn Ross and he's supposed to be phenomenal and that Carlitos way be up there for me yeah, yeah, but he this, is, this yeah, would be up there perhaps you wouldn't rate it as one of his best acting performances but you also wouldn't want it any other way well he it's yeah. perfect yeah it's, yeah, yeah. it's it legitimately has. perfect for minute one um, but it feels criminal for me to leave out The Godfather 1 which I meant to say to you I actually watched the other day I watched a couple of Saturdays ago it was on at like 9 o'clock and I was like oh I'll watch the opening and then the next thing I know it was like 20 past 1 and I was like uh, 20 past 12 and I was like oh okay sensational I'm going to reference that it might be worth us seeing what sport or whatever is on around the time the weekend before we're due to do this on the podcast Godfather uh, they're hmm. showing it in cinemas really? yeah for the 50th anniversary I'd love to see it on the big screen Exactly. Nice. It's a shame it's a Saturday night. I, I do usually object to Saturday cinema. Are they showing it in chat or have I got to come to you? They do it. They're doing it in both. Right, you can come to me then. 
undecided if I like Saturday Cinema, so won't commit just yet. He's got he's currently got two films in production. Pacino. One he's doing King Lear. I think he'll do an okay King Lear, you know. And the other one he's doing a thriller called Sniff, with Morgan Freeman, Helen Mirren, and Danny DeVito, and he plays an underworld kingpin. Love He keeps going back to that well, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. I'm, not saying that. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I don't know. Just... Till the wheels come off, he's going with it. Um, I the, don't know. The other thoughts I had down while watching to sum things up before we go on to the next film. Um, when Donnie returns at Christmas, Keenan, at least his wife has the good sense to get the kids out of the house before they get down to it on the stairs. <laughs> Yeah. Not like a certain film we watched recently where uh, no old's bad. That's, that's just re- that's just respectful. That's respectful though, you know. Like, <laughs> no. kids, are, kids are at my mum's. We're free and clear. Instead of shagging on the stairs, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Caught me on the counter, wasn't me. 69ers, blimey. Um, in the... That shot. <laughs> so up front. Just that outrageous. Lit like that. His shot so up front. Is the, the idea maybe the director go, no, no, not like this. <laughs> Swap ends, no. In the uh, you want me to take orders scene in the Japanese restaurant. Um, Chris Tart. Remind me. Who won the war? And the guys <laughs> at the table are, what the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> um, it is always incredible to me how one guy can be strong-armed through a public place and just nobody bats an eyelid. Like, five blokes push this guy into the toilet and everybody's like, okay, sound. I think one person turns around. You don't want to get involved, do you? Just keep your head down. It's like, um, I've seen in, it's like the scene in Heat, mate, where he just kicks fuck out of him in a diner. I don't want that work. <laughs> <laughs> um, telling someone to mind their business while your lion is doing its business on the street is very bold. <laughs> buying someone a lion is very bold yeah uh, maybe the most bizarre scene in the film that scene with Donnie and Lefty just calling each other cocksuckers is so bizarre but I don't know if the point is just that Donnie is happy to now stand up to Lefty it's just it just feels it completely unnecessary it's so drawn out I think it is uh, designed to show um like the new level of their friendship. Um, do you know Pistone is actually in this film? Uh, he's on the boat. He has one line. He says to Sonny Black, "Mr. Traficante is leaving." Nice. That's him. Um, I, I'd be honest. I'd have been way more on the nose. I'd have just chucked him in that scene with Jim, hadn't I? Yeah. Uh, Sonny Black's license plate RFK five seven five is later reused in Zoolander. <laughs> Don't like that. Finally, um, Donnie or Joe Pistone practicing on the FBI's firing range at the end of the film was only inserted into the film at the insistence of the studio because they wanted a shot of Johnny Depp firing a gun in the movie's trailer. So that's why it feels a bit out of place. It's just kind of shoehorned in at the end of the film. Hmm. And then Joe Pistone said of the film, if he had one thing to say, there should have been more Anne Hesh in the actual script. Okay. I agree. I mean, I did approach her for an interview last week, so hopefully she's listening to this. <laughs> Is he still married to his wife? Um, because if so, sure, 
that's an absolute feat. I know when when that comes out, oh, yeah, she's way more involved. She loves all that. Yeah, it did feel entirely unnecessary for the FBI to quite literally say, "This is the guy that's betrayed you this whole time." I mean, it doesn't take a brainiac to work it out, but even still, a bit much. Mm. Um, final thoughts on the film, then, Keenan. You did enjoy it. I love this film. I think this film's brilliant. I always have. I just don't like the way that you use it to annoy me. <laughs> I like this film less since we've become since we've become friends. Anything you have made that you have actually left almost a distaste in my mouth about this film. <laughs> I'm getting that. I'm getting it. He's ruined it for you in many ways. No, not not quite. It's too good a film for it to be ruined. Keenan tried to do that with me for not for uh, old school, but didn't let it get to me. It was nothing but complimentary about old school. Yeah, I know. Um, you it said what you were saying about that. <laughs> yeah, like levels um, levels to the films that we're referring to. Well, I've on, never seen a tilting like Sean's uh, being convinced for which film had the bigger impact. Essentially, just because Keenan spoke to him, he was like, "Okay, yeah, fair enough." Got big stamp bullet. He got tilted live on the air. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, if we move on to the second film before we loop back around at the end, Lawless. Set in Depression-era Franklin County, Virginia, a trio of bootlegging brothers are threatened by a new special deputy and other authorities angling for a cut of their profits. What do you think the critics think of this? And they would have liked it. Yeah, this this would be this would be ridiculous. Um, you'll be surprised. Now, I've got largely positive reviews. They were far more negative than I expected. Yeah, this is a time period where if Tom Hardy was in it, people were just going to go, just say it was yeah, great, got, regardless. Got a few on Tom Hardy to talk about. I'm sure. <laughs> um, so, on every level, it is impossible to turn away from the story unfolding on screen. Emotionally and historically immersive, Lawless is close to flawless. Mm. Complex, horrifying, pitch perfect, and exceedingly well acted. It's the near brilliant film you never expected at the end of summer. Nice. This was a yeah. fantastic year of films, by the way, 2012. I won't run you through the whole thing because we've done it before, but if you go back and look, it's certainly been the best year of cinema I've ever been to. Blockbuster, it'd be all about three blockbusters a month. It's phenomenal. Dread was that year as well, Keenan. Um, <laughs> sorry, what are you saying? going to remove that from the final category. <laughs> um, Seems to have been cut on a tight deadline. Gangster Gary Oldman all but disappears after his Tommy gun blazing entrance, and Jessica Chastain has little to do as an unlikely refugee stripper turned Bondurant waitress mascot. I agree with the Gary Oldman take. Did yeah. anyone else finish this film wanting more of Gary Oldman? Kind of almost felt like he didn't actually need to be in there. He kind of felt like a bit of a diversion and being how glad he was, because he's great. I, I wondered if there was stuff left on the cutting room floor or what with him more of a prominent role because he he was almost like a the key shot in the trailer i can remember that tommy gun shot of him blazing down the car was like one of the things you had posters with gary oldman on it and everything mm. and then he, it does, like, he does look so slick though it's i mean it's when we come on to what the scenes it's such a great scene isn't it him just turning away with that little wink oh, yeah you bad my gary um what do you think about Jessica Chastain, because yeah. the main criticism of this film is that they just 
the writer didn't know how to present a female character. They say they're just kind of floozy and there's no real depth to any of them. Like the big character arc is that she was a stripper that doesn't want to be seen as a stripper anymore. It's kind of the thing with this sort of film, though, isn't it? That is often the case. Look at Donnie. Look at Donnie Brasco. Yeah. How well, how well, are the, how well is his wife written in that? The, these films, historically... Do you neglect the woman? They, 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 yeah, they, they're there. They're either to be fit or yeah, to be the wife or the bit on the side. Do you know what I mean? They're they're not. I also think she does have something in this film. I think. Oh yeah, I do. I don't think you know. I think they're being a bit over the top in terms of she kind of. I think doesn't get overpowered by Forrest, for example, which most people do. The exception to 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 that sort of rule is probably Karen Hill. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It way easier to do. Because we, you know, for a fact, how involved, yeah, she yeah. was in in the dealings. He's told you they had the wiretaps. Even says in the film, we've got you on wiretaps talking about drug deals. It becomes a little bit easier to 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 write for some of these. Like for Joe Piston's wife, you, you, he's not talking about his wife on those wiretaps. So you're taking his recollection of something that is mm. his family life is essentially secondary to the story. So you've got a second-hand recollection of a secondary part of the story. I think so. his wife is written better than she than Jessica Chastain's role is in this film, though. Yeah, but you, you're not. You're, she's you're not more, saying a lot, are you? I think she's the scenes that she does have feel completely necessary to me. It's to show that he is changing within his role. Uh, you have her actually being able to go through the different stages of grief as he's being taken away. She has the good scene where she explains. You know, I tell myself that you're dead. Mm. Jessica Chastain's yeah. one, I think they could have done a lot more with, even if they just gave us some kind of backstory. Like your backstory being, you came from Chicago, you were a stripper that wore feathers, is like, all right, cool. But only this was represented as being a modern Western, where if we were going back to the old Westerns, it would make perfect sense. As you said, at the end of the film, Forrest should be scooping her up onto the back of his horse and riding off into the sunset, but it's supposed to be a bit more than that and I feel they kind of got middle ground with her mm. in the same way that I imagine there was more scenes they didn't include, just like you'd have to expect with Gary Oldman's character. Mm. That being said, that's a very minor criticism because I have very few criticisms to say about this film. That was just one. I saw the take and I thought, okay, I, yeah, okay, I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I just think it's probably the easy go-to criticism for this type of film in general isn't it yeah if you were trying to and it doesn't like you said it doesn't fatally undermine it you're not going oh the godfather i wish we'd seen more of the mother yeah well i know i know vita was married that's about it um the recurring act of violence in lawless is a brass knuckle punch to her throat it's not pretty the movie's not pretty either but it's an instant gangster classic don't expect to be carried along by big action and cliche dialogue Lawless expects you to do some of the work yourself by immersing yourself in this richly textured world. So I know the director here is also the director that did The Road. And Mm. so he does pride himself on creating a certain world, even if it is within such a small confines as it is in this film, where it's essentially set in a little town. Finally, the most disturbing sight in the whole movie is Guy Pearce's greasy middle parting. His Charlie Rakes is a prancing psychopath, 
perhaps the most disturbing since the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I don't know why that's the go-to, but he is a very <laughs> good villain. I guess that's the most disturbing character this uh, writer had experienced. That's, me, it was the, he's... the witch in The Witches. That film absolutely terrified me when I was a kid. Traumatised yeah, me, in fact. I feel like this writer's maybe missed a lot in between if he's going from <laughs> Chitty Bang Bang to this. There's quite a lot of middle ground. About the pool cleaner in Paranormal Activity 2. Um, again kind of like the last film broken it down Um, the trivia that kind of I guess doesn't fall into a category Um, the movie is based on actual events as explained in the 2008 book The Wettest County in the World written by Matt Bondurant the grandson of Jack Shia LaBeouf's character Um, Tom Hardy's character was originally supposed to be slimmer but Hardy had to bulk up for The Dark Knight Rises in 2012 I've got a bit more on Tom Hardy, but for one, you can tell he's bulking up because he, this whole film he walks like he's just shit himself. <laughs> and also, on top of him just being massive in this, they do shoot him from a low angle in the whole film just to make him look even bigger. Like, there's a scene it's when he returns to find Jack has been beaten up by uh, Rakes. And there's a scene of him just kind of looking out into the distance and there's just this long camera shot just from below of him just gazing out just with his massive head and shoulders. <laughs> so we, we get it. The guy is a tank. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Adams and Scarlett Johansson were originally cast, but the movie was shut down several times. Jessica Chastain eventually got the role. Feels like they know what they were looking for. When to say, you yeah. get those three together. <laughs> No, it's Isla Fisher didn't get the call at that. No, no respect. Oh, what do you think they're in common, Keenan? Sorry, I was not paying attention. My apologies. <laughs> was, yeah. um, I was, sorry, I was busy for about 30 seconds. Just sorting some out. The role that eventually goes to Jessica Chastain was previously cast as Amy Adams and Scarlett Johansson. I wondered if they all had something in common that perhaps you could put your finger on. Perhaps don't put your finger on. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, he is right, though. Isla Fisher not getting the call is disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Bryce Dallas Howard, I'm surprised didn't get it as well. I, I don't. The thing I had, I thought they had in common wasn't the red hair, but I'll leave that to the casting director. Um, I know. I'm just. I, I wasn't. I wasn't going where you were. <laughs> didn't ask you to. Well, I didn't ask you to. You just didn't go. There. <laughs> um, that was literally your question. You, <laughs> you said, "Come, come with me." That's what you said. Um, TK, I asked Keenan to do some casting work for the previous film. I'm going to give you the original cast of this film now and you can tell me how you would cast it. The original headliners on this project, Shia LaBeouf was still there. Okay. James Franco, Ryan Gosling, Scarlett Johansson, and Michael Shannon. Blimey. Well, I'm going to assume Scarlett Johansson cast herself, I'm assuming. Do you say Ryan Gosling, James Franco? And Michael Shannon. I guess Franco's probably going to be... Probably Howard, doesn't he? Probably the drone He's kind of out of control yeah. one. Uh, Ryan Gosling did Forrest? I get it. Can't, no. It'd be a different one, but I guess he could. I've referenced no, on here before. Did any of you ever see Only God Forgives? You've not missed anything if you haven't. No, I can't say I've seen it. So it was a film probably around 2013. So Gosling's massive out to drive, isn't he? Mm. Um, and it was a film shortly after that. It was set in, I'm going to disgrace myself here, set somewhere in Asia. 
and it's kind of a martial artsy kind of film and the trailer has all these cool things of him he's a silent guy he doesn't talk um he says i think 17 words in the entire film and the whole thing that was supposed to be the appeal and how artistic it was um i remember i went with kieran and we were sat at mcdonald's uh in gloucester town actually before we went to go see it in the summer holidays and i went on imdb and there was a review and it said just when you think uh there was something along the lines of every camera shot is held to the point where you start to feel uncomfortable and then it's held for 10 seconds longer and that was a positive review and then I saw the thing of he had like 17 words. What the hell <laughs> I had to go into here? The only thing that I can remember from the film is a guy has, I think it's like a knitting needle pushed down this guy's eardrum. Ow. Lovely. But there's very little else. I can just remember Ryan Gosling says like, want to fight? And that's two of his words. And he just gets battered. <laughs> but essentially, I've said all that to say he can do the kind of grumbly hard man kind of character because if we take the previous bit of trivia where Harley wasn't supposed to be that big maybe it makes more sense that way yes yeah, it's, it's a similar thing with uh gosling and drive as well but he doesn't say a lot in that no sort of the whole thing is he doesn't have a name or anything so there's michael shannon can do guy pierce's role i mean presumably that's what he was being asked to do um He's not as thoroughly dislikable, is he, as Guy Pearce is in this role? I don't think he can do that. But he, he could definitely be unhinged. What does he play a, what's he play a bad guy in? He's what's very, very good in. You might be right, my friend. I haven't seen enough of that to tell you, but he does play yeah, a bad guy. guy like dr- he like drowns people, doesn't he? Mm. Did you say in Boardwalk, did you say? Yeah, it's, it's in Boardwalk Empire, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, no, I've not seen it enough to comment. But He's a little bit more ambiguous than just a bad guy, I would say, and that is the thing. But uh, rather than this, obviously the guy is just out with the yeah, yeah. earmarks and you're supposed to despise this guy. That little chuckle that Guy Pierce does throughout this is so good, but so horrible at the same time. Just his little like chuckle at everything. Little sweet... He's great, isn't he? I mean, when he's piecing up Charlotte Booth, you're like, Jesus, this guy is fucking... He really wild. does go to work, doesn't he? Mm, them, gl- yeah. them, glove, them gloves come out, come out and he just goes to town. I feel like he got out of character there. He's, he's letting Shire have it. <laughs> Shire just shouting, just do it. <laughs> Often in films, isn't it? They kind of look, this guy, he's so weird. He likes to be clean. Um, the slowly pulling off the gloves, but then obviously he has like a prostitute on newspaper and there's all these sorts of these other like weird little things in there. I don't know it's what... Just, it's just like a trope, isn't it? Film, but like, mm. he gets into it, doesn't he? <laughs> It's the guy who's supposed to be the good, the best of the best, but he's just as corrupt as anyone else. Like the same as the the Northern Irish copper in Peaky Blinders and stuff. So it's all, yeah. Or the so, the prison warden in Shawshank Redemption. The only it, one yeah. who technically shouldn't be a criminal is an absolute bastard. <laughs> um. So several of these guys actually crossed over in 2012, just to say what kind of year it was. So you've got Jessica Chastain and Jason Clark crossing over in Zero Dark Thirty. Uh. Tom Hardy and Gary Oldman in Dark Knight Rises. Um, Keenan maintains Gary Oldman the best character in Dark Knight Rises. I never said that, did I? You, you gave him MVP. Didn't. That's MVP. Sorry, I thought you meant <laughs> he's the best character. Yeah, like, oh, sorry, I thought you meant something else. Yeah, he's, he is my MVP. He's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> he um, is great. You've got 
Tom Hardy and Oldman again in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which they shot. The Still yet to see. And you have Daryl and Jason Clark in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which comes out a year later. So these guys were very familiar with each other by the time they did this and afterwards. Also shows just how busy Gary Oldman was. Jeez. Puts in that work. Doesn't. He delivers in all of them. He really does. Um, One of the things that kind of marred the film's publicity run before and after is Shia LaBeouf and... I mean, more's come out about him since. Shocker. We can reference, but when you look back and read some of the articles around the time of this, it's quite disturbing in the way that it's kind of presented. So director John Hillcoat says that Shire displayed some serious method acting while on set, which is Shia LaBeouf's kind of defense for everything, Mm. um, including but not limited to drinking moonshine excessively. Um, My guy. Sorry, well, I'll <laughs> hold back on that. Uh, Shire did an interview in 2013 where he almost joked that Mia Wasikowska was terrified of him due to his antics on the set. Um, after meeting her for the first time, the director confirmed that he carved their characters' names and a love heart into the door of where she was staying. Blimey. She then says that she called her lawyer multiple times during filming to ask if there was a way she could be removed from the production. Jeez. He was just horrible to work with. She said he was terrifying. Yeah. The director says he never turned up drunk on the set and Shia says he had to do all of this and I'll tell you his reasoning. He says he needed a very specific bloat which he could only achieve while drinking moonshine and a very specific shade of colour with the redness of his eyes that could only be achieved by drinking moonshine. Or visual effects. Yeah, yeah. Um, we know, I think we got into it when we did um, Mad Max on the podcast, which I think we don't need to talk about again, Keenan. We really but don't. Tom Hardy is also notoriously difficult to work with. Now, you put these two together, the director again tries down downplaying this, saying it was all just method acting between the two of them and how in character they were. Um, they actually had a physical confrontation on the set. They had a fight in the middle of the set. And supposedly, Shia LaBeouf dropped Tom Hardy. Japan. That's and a great... Tom Hardy has confirmed this. Oh, that's a great story. The um, bus just going around for the rest of that time, just out of control now. Once he's nailed the big man. I read the story before, um, and it was that things had been kind of flaring up between them on the set and I was you always have to say allegedly so uh, just in case um, allegedly what happened is they've been going back and forth and even when they weren't fighting they were kind of wrestling with each other there was certainly something there where they were clashing and they would try and laugh it and joke it off um, Tom Hardy barges in to try and do his usual with Shia LaBeouf and he walks in on Shia LaBeouf's girlfriend who was on set changing at the time um, a confrontation spins from there and yeah it ends in Shia LaBeouf dropping Tom Hardy before they're broken up nice mm. see that that's obviously a very brief snippet of a story there are of course two sides to every story but in that uh, brief snippet Tom Hardy seems like the bad guy there yeah yep. with Shia yep. LaBeouf though um, he, he carried on I don't know if you can remember there was a lot of articles about him, I'd say about a year and a half ago, where 
he was again he was being accused of all sorts. I think it was domestic abuse. I believe there was some sexual assault allegations as well. But he admitted in an interview that he, because he was in character, went around his neighborhood shooting stray dogs in the head because that was what his character entailed in a film he was doing and it was just method acting. And as is always the case, I mean, I am legend, the reference. So wild, by the way. Yeah, Yeah, that's mental. And people, I mean, he probably would have got a better reaction if he'd killed several people. Dogs just is the thing. It's untouchable, isn't it? Image, yeah. I mean, no, I, I would have felt worse if he had shot people, but that he's yeah, shooting yeah. stray dogs. Yeah, but the way people go about if you kill a dog, no, I, mean, I don't think you should do either, but the public will turn on you faster than mm. anything else. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. That, saying. Admitting it himself in interviews as if it was like a, look, I'm such a dedicated actor. <laughs> Just a weird guy. He has like you have to be fucking so far off the reservation to think oh, I'll get some serious old credit for this. <laughs> yeah. You might have reference this in the Oscar speech. The phase is, don't you, with actors where you get the look at them, they're quite quirky, and that was when you had the just do it thing. And that was yeah. around the time of didn't he he booked at a cinema, watched his own films and filmed his own face for like thirty six hours. Yes. Yeah. And then gave people tickets in a gallery to watch his face. He's just I mean, he's a freak, really. If we say know. all this, but people turned up to that. Which is <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. no worse. And for all, for all of it, I do actually think he has the best performance in the film. It's it fair. I don't think you're disputing he can act. No, no. <laughs> no. It's everything around never, it. That was never, that <laughs> was never his issue. This, around the time of this, that is a thing. People did not forgive him for Transformers for a long time. If you look for, at any reviews I've never watched film, them. Public oh, and the press I, uh, I genuinely quite like the first couple. Yeah, I, I watched. But they I, were huge, I, weren't they? they I was. About, I was the age that I should like for it. I watched. Um, this is when we when we were, worked at uh, Wapita, and uh, I went what? with a, a kid that worked there to watch the last Michael Bay one. I think where the one mm. that got canned for like having excessive um, advertisement during it. Yeah. And it's one of the longest cinema oh experiences I've ever had in my life. There's only so many cars you can see get crushed. It's like, okay, we get it. <laughs> but yeah, all of the kind of taglines for this in, in the papers was like, uh, Shia LaBeouf reboots himself after Transformers and a return to glory and this kind of thing. Yeah, Weird, weird guy. Mm. Hard, question, another question for you, Keenan. Mm. Tom Hardy's cardigans in this or Chris Evans' knitwear and knives out? Or oh, Chris Evans' knitwear and knives out. <laughs> That's sensational. That's sensational work. <laughs> what do you reckon, TK? Yeah, I'd have to go with that, I think. <laughs> I just kept thinking how warm he must be in this film with the cardigans and where he is. And it was it was annoying me during the film. I was thinking, you're a big guy. You're going to be yeah. sweating under that. <laughs> supposed to be a big tough bloke as well. He's walking around. Look, I don't want to get cold. Come on. Chris, Chris Evans in. Just go back. Chris Evans in. Knives Out, honestly. That's, that's such a stellar performance. I'm so excited that they're making an. Oh, he's not going to be. I really enjoyed it. that film. More huh? than I ever yeah. expected I would. Well, they make it actually... more TK, so don't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Probably didn't enjoy that much, but okay. Fine yeah, but enough, I'll go with it. Ideally, Chris Evans pops back up in one of them because mm. he gets out of jail. Yeah. To me, and it goes in with a film that we referenced today, TK, that 
they saw the success of that. They saw the success of uh, Murder on the Orient Express. And it was like, okay, people do still like these detective films. Of course they do. And then the studios were like, we're going to give you the money to make 10 more of these. Are they not making another Agatha Christie film? Yeah, it comes out next week. No, yeah. week after, sorry. Is it Murder on the Nile? Yeah. And Gal Gadot, so hopefully she's not doing any singing to end the pandemic. She's, sensa- she's sensational. She can do what she wants. Oh, she's a great advert this... for how fit can get you, sort of carry you over a lot of deficiencies. Do you say she's not a good actress? She's sensational. I think, I mean, Wonder Woman has coloured my perception, maybe. But oh, wow. I don't know if I asked you this question, and I mean, maybe it's been one of those podcasts. Um, Gal Gadot or M. Ratter, Keenan? Hmm. Yes, that's been a very sleazy podcast, actually. Just <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, we, we are better than this. Um, well, I'll put it on the record now. I, I think M. Ratajkowski in Gone Girl is um, Hall of Fame level up there with um, Jessica Arbor and Good Luck Chuck. Yeah, I bet you do. Just so when I say, I'll say it again when we do the Gone Girl podcast, you can recognise I am saying it again. Okay. Can't wait to do that, by the way. That film. I haven't seen that since I saw it in the cinema. <laughs> that film is fucking wild. Doing golf. Phenomenal. Did I watch that with you? No, I did watch it. Doing golf in Oz. Yeah, that's right. I don't know where I watch these things. <laughs> I do. See? I remember these stories. Yeah, I don't know why. They're not very exciting. It, it meant more to him than it did to her. <laughs> to I, re- I really like the film. But yeah, you need to do more. There's <laughs> things I don't really need. Yeah, just need to do more. I'm worried about you. I, I appreciate it slightly as much as I feel <laughs> insult. Um, take it as you want Tom Hardy's mumbling should this have become the thing that it did like he got far too many roles if I were just speaking weirdly or mumbling like it's borderline annoying in this film like, you could he, would he not would he not also be a very good example of fit covering up a lot of deficiencies yes uh, absolutely Christ alive Comparatively, I think Gal Gadot might be a better actress than Tom Hardy as an actor. Yeah, yeah, probably so. The take on here that I stand by as passionately as any that I've got behind was Harper saying that Tom Hardy was the definition of range. That's right. I've forgotten about that. Because he said like, well, Bronson and Bane. And I was like, okay, basically the same character. <laughs> yeah, what? And we just went through and he was like, okay, legend. Bane We're seeing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to, I don't know, go in like a rom-com or something before I start giving him sort of titles like that. Christ. A rom-com, he did This Means War with uh, Chris Pine and Reese Witherspoon. Even then, same thing, isn't <laughs> it? I'm, I'm glad there seems to be less appetite for the we need Tom Hardy as the next James Bond, James Bond because that was a thing. I, I genuinely think it needs to be Idris Elba. I mean, I, I know it would, won't. I know it won't ever be for certain I, reasons. But think, the people they throw out there, he is the best actor by a country mile. I've always quite liked the Michael Fassbender shout there, but I mean, we could have a whole other podcast on this. Nice, yeah, I don't mind Fassbender, but I've liked the ones ha- that they throw. Do you hate Henry Cavill in the role? No, I quite, I quite like that as well. But I think he would need to be more Yeah, he needs to slim down if he's going to be Bond. Only Bond to be absolutely ripped. No, that's true. They would try to return to the 
old kind of Connery style Bond films rather than the current Craig style. If it was Henry, I'm not Cavill. sure if you can go full Connery. Yeah, no, no, you can I never go full that. Connery. They would definitely try to lean into the charm more than the look. I'm a gritty guy. I've seen some things. Or do they just double down on that? Is that just what they go with? That tends to be the move, doesn't it? Rather than I don't know. Do, how, I mean, that's getting more traction at the minute than the slick. I would like to to go back to. Uh, more traditional, if you if you like, but I don't know if they will. I can I can take this out if uh, we if we don't want this discussion. Did you see the headlines in the week about the Bond film with the actor that plays Q? No, no. Okay, so there's the reference in No Time to Die where Whoa. he references that he's gay. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, no, this is have you not seen I'm, it? I'm not saying anything. No, I haven't. I haven't seen the film. Here. Right. Yeah. No spoilers okay. here then. Okay, so I mean that's a slight. Well, I mean I don't think I've ruined the ending for you. You've uh, ruined the ending for me. We will. We genuinely won't speak ever again. No, I have never seen it. I have bought it. I just haven't had the time to watch it because keep okay, having to what? watch shit for this podcast. We ruined this <laughs> film for me, and you and I will never fucking speak again. No, I'm not going to. But how have the we ended? TK that applies to you as well. How have we had? Q just says I'm gay. There you go. That's how it goes. How have we had full conversations about? Alan Darmas in this film. Thank <laughs> God you haven't ruined it for him previously if you didn't know that it's Christ. We haven't spoken about Anna Darmas in this film other than the fact that she, you've sent me a photo of her to say she looks good in a black dress. Yeah, I think That's... that was probably the, 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 the range of the discussion. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm sure you messaged me saying I'm going to sit down and watch it. So. Yep, and I meant to and meant to and meant to but unfortunately I just get busy. Um, well, I've told you that now. There's a comment in this film where he says... Gotta yeah, get out of here. I've got a date in twenty minutes. He's gonna be here in twenty minutes. It was um, obvious he was gay, let's be honest. Well, I forget I forget mm. the actor's name, but he comments saying he was going back and forth on this and quite uncomfortable because he felt like if you're going to make that comment, you need to do more with it Correct. rather than just kind of hang it out there. And the argument from other people is, Well, is this not how we get this kind of thing accepted in films more in that look, you're gay. This shouldn't be an entire plot line. Oh well, so you just drip feed it. Well, it's not even. Really, it's kind of just said as a nothing comment. It's like, in the same way as if he said he had a girl coming yeah. over. No, I, 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 I took that stance to be far more agreeable I than the. I understand both of your point, but that's just said, not how this world works. No, he said he had various conversations with um, Barbara Block Broccoli about look, should we be doing this, and he said at the end he kind of submitted to Bond is a great big machine. As I can pose the question after that, I just say my lines. Hmm. Mm, yeah, I just thought. I mean, it goes by what we spoke about last week with Jessica Alba and Good Luck Chuck. It was all like, you knew what film you were making. Don't shit on it two months down the line because you're getting a bit of you're getting a bit of stick. Yeah, it's first kind of hard it's to go down a massive road like that in a Bond film, isn't it? There's kind of only so much scope they've got. They turn Bond. Mm. Well, not sad to see the stories about. Jessica Alba supposedly being an asshole was quite sad to see. Well, not that it would change my opinion too strongly, but yeah, shocking, shocking update that really, really, really fit woman is also really famous. It's a bit of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jason Clark in this, we spoke about the character of Jessica Chastain, and possibly more could have been done there. Do you think they kind of left a bit hanging with? Jason Clark. I almost felt like they I was going to say they botched it a bit which feels harsh but they kind of did the have you met Howard thing 
and he does the scene where he's loving torturing the guy but they don't really do a lot more with it other than that like the rest of the time he's like a quiet really nice guy of the three of them like he's supposed to be kind of the balancing act i just thought mm. it was a bit weird the way they did that because they all almost lean one way and then don't go all in with it he's certainly an afterthought compared to jack and forrest isn't he yeah, which I think he's meant to be, to be fair. It just seems like... That's it, isn't it? That's always going to be as well. In that scenario, there's always going to be someone who's the third guy. Even So when you've written in the thing of, uh, okay, he's the guy, once he loses his temper, it's over. Hmm. Should it not, in the final scene, when Forrest tries charging him down and takes the three, four shots to the chest, should that not be his character then? Because look, he's mm. the guy that loses his head. He's the guy that doesn't think he charges into it. it. Seemed like they kind of used it once, and then we're not just we're just not going to play that card again. Yeah, it's a good point. He definitely would have been, wouldn't he? If they're playing true to the character, he would have been charging in straight away. I mean, the whole thought process of Forrest in that scene is just baffling. <laughs> it's just baffling. Is it? It just charges down, hands down, and just takes about four to the chest, and then goes down next to his brother, who's just done the same thing. <laughs> that is believing your own hype that. <laughs> yeah. uh, the first thing I wrote down 15 seconds into the film now it's a thing they do in films where you show a kid that doesn't want to shoot an animal whether it's a bird whether it's a pig in this instance and it's supposed to show that this kid's feeble or weak or cowardly maybe the kid just doesn't want to shoot a pig in the head like, I don't know why this thing is done in films to show like look this kid's a pussy. He doesn't want to kill the chicken. <laughs> That's a good point. Little did they know that Shire actually was really, really gunning for it. <laughs> he, was about, he was about that life from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think it's, it's always actually, it's more the, the opposite, isn't it? It's to show how mental everyone else is. is everybody else grow, is growing up thinking, right, I can slaughter this animal and it, I'm desensitised to this whole thing. Whereas this kid is kind of like a normal kid who thinks that isn't, I don't want to do that. That isn't normal. Are you surprised, given the rest of the film, that there's no splatter when he shoots that pig? Because, I mean, a bullet just goes in and there's just no mess at all. Just It's just one and done. That's a clean job. And if it's one of those things, don't it? That's the, that's the bit you've got to get rid of. If we go back to Guy Pearce, um, that scene when he charges in on uh, Cricket first and then ends up battering uh, Jack, if Actually, no, before that scene. First scene of the film, um, when you have Forrest with his knuckle dusters. If someone mm. has a knife to someone else, if you've got a knife to someone and then you hear behind you, you don't want to do this, that's immediately shaking me up. I shouldn't be shut in that situation because I'm the one with the knife, but, but you shouldn't be approaching me with such calm. Um, in fact, if someone says that, you may just buckle and say, no, I don't. I'm sorry, I can't believe I'm in this situation. <laughs> because other way around, when it gets to the Jack and uh, Rake scene, he doesn't say that because he very well knows I don't, I don't want this work. A few things make me squirm, like when someone gets hit in the nose with a gun, particularly a shotgun in this case. It just feels worse. But that thing right at the bridge of his nose just made me squirm more than anything else and we do have a guy's nuts get chopped off in this in this <laughs> anyone not getting a, gunned by, like not a great one for the gun button no. not a great one for the gun button no. 
No, but just more when it's like up, up your nose, like mm. over your nose seems a bit better when it's like, I think it reminds me of either being hit in the nose with a football or just, <laughs> just whack it. Oh, makes me squirm a bit because you can imagine how that feels more than a gunshot mm. to the shoulder. Another thing I had down, at what point in time did we just stop audibly expressing if a woman was fit or not? Like I've never walked in and said, "Damn," with an earshot, <laughs> because I've not been able to contain how good looking they are. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad this isn't a thing, but I don't know at what point there was a cutoff where people. You know, so now we're me. the feminist podcast. Nice. <laughs> but even I just saw the scene. Jason Clark walks in. Oh, damn! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe what I've seen it. <laughs> You got to think they don't see many women around them, right? So they got to when they see it, it's like a yeti sighting around that. I mean, if there's any other woman in that bar, is she then offended that she didn't get the the same reaction? Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If she doesn't get wolf whistled, she's going, "What's this about?" And um, although, actually, sorry, I take that back. I doubt any woman's ever been offended about not being wolf whistled. No, no, I'm not. I'm not sure. It's particularly by these lads, Christ. No, oh, yeah, some absolute fucking horrendous <laughs> bit of kit. <laughs> like, hey. I know we've spoken before on here, Keenan, about yes the way women are pulled in films, and I think we use Heat as the example where he says, "Mind your own <laughs> business, lady," and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm swooning for this guy." Why, why are you so interested in what I do and what I read? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I just want to get to know you. Did you? <laughs> In this, for a starter, he's a he's where he's uh, sorry, oh. <laughs> just, just a whipping everything off and coming around and going, he's just gonna stare at me while I sleep. As in, that was it's the creepy, it's thing. creepy as fuck. Peer around the corner, she, oh my god, I can't believe this. <laughs> Feel those eyes on me, just something that no one should ever try in reality because it's not going to end like that. No, it's incredibly creepy, and you'll probably end up rightly so on a register. So, yeah, you, you just hope Shia wasn't watching that scene thinking, you know what? Good <laughs> ideas here, lads. But the reason we haven't mentioned why Sean's not here this week. Cool. <laughs> Drive by on shoot. No need. Oh, where is he? I doubt he's on a register somewhere. Sean, yeah. if you listen back to this one, I I got you. Oh. When you're not here, you turn down the right to be able to defend yourself. So, How do you feel about that clip being played in court, Keith? I said what I said character reference for him if, if left is going out to bat for Donny I'll go out to bat for shoot <laughs> at the end of the court case Keenan says look if it had to be anyone I'm just glad it's you <laughs> <can't> <laughs> <do a> shoot, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> that's a great bit of work this is why we need this is why we need to get on the pop more Byron he's funnier than you are <laughs> it's his own choice not to be on I know I know um, lets us down all the time is there any cooler weapon in film than a Tommy gun? No, it's, it's perfect, isn't it? The RPG in uh, Man on Fire? Still not. No, I don't know. Phenomenal. Is the Tommy gun better represented in this film or in Gangster Squad, TK? This film? I know you didn't ask me, but I'm just telling you. I'll stay You've not seen Gangster Squad, though, have you? Yeah. Oh, about four times. You could yeah. raved on about it for ages, and then I don't understand why you like it so much. Well, I've not rewatched it really since about 2012, which might play into it, but we're going to do it for the pod. I, I benefited from having hideous expectations watching that, and I pleasantly, I was pleasantly surprised. I don't think it's unbelievable, but it was better than I thought it was going to be. TK is a Josh Brolin hater. Wow. 
What a claim. Oh, wow. I know, Keenan. Tell me about it. I don't know where that would even have come <laughs> from that you're claiming. It's not just a, such a random. Uh, <laughs> when, when he gives, so, when he gives me an opinion about like a mutual friend, I also, I like, night, I just disregard it like 99% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, he could, me and you could fall out and you could just sit and slate me for hours on end and I'll just do nothing about it. You could even make threats against my life and if it was him telling me, I'd just, I'm fine. <laughs> I wouldn't tell you what's being said, I'd be joining in. You would as well. I'm going to be telling you, you you're going to meet this guy, total bastard. He's, he's a Holocaust denier. He'd be like, yeah, he's probably lovely. What are you talking about? Yeah, I just don't believe, I genuinely don't really believe anything he says. He's the boy that cried wolf. It's, it's a dangerous game. We're doing Pulp Fiction in a few weeks. Oh, Excellent. shit. Have you met Excellent. I'm not going to finish that quote. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it's better represented in this film anyway, the Tommy Gun Luke, to answer your original point. Um, what do you think is the best scene in this film? Mm. Guy Pierce going wild. It's a powerful scene, I know. Like, feel a bit scared of it. The way that shot, top down, great. Mm. Um, Guy Pierce going wild, Gary Oldman. When he, flick, when, he, when he flicks that wing, honestly. Oh, honestly, swooning. swooning. There we go. <laughs> um, as terrible as it is, Tom Hardy getting his throat cut, and that's not even a joke about Tom I Hardy. Had I had that. Think the, way that the way that I comes out, that. that's, an inc- that's an incredible scene. I remember thinking, I think I'm just tapping out. I don't think I'm holding my throat together like he is. I think I'm going, let's get this over with nice and That as he comes down and he's just gripping his throats together. It's grim. But that I is don't an think incredible I'm scene. Fight. Yeah, this sticks with you, that, doesn't it? Christ. Mm. I just remember I was watching this and I coughed. And I was looking <laughs> at those uh, stitching on his neck. I was thinking, imagine coughing while she had that. Oh, I couldn't get over it. That scene with Jessica Chastain, uh, where she asked for a job at the start. Obviously, oh, such a pick. Yeah, yeah, absolute creep. Um, Shire, Shire spewing in church. He could have actually been spewing. <laughs> There's every chance. He, that was too much for him that day. Who who deals with that better, um, Jack Bondurant or uh, whatever the character's name is in the night before? Never seen the night before, so I don't know what you're talking about. Wow. He disrespects Christmas, which is a big theme in the night before. Oh fucking. <laughs> Or Sean throwing up on a uh, metro in Paris. <laughs> Shoot, my man. <laughs> I remember telling well, Alex about that and he didn't believe me initially. I've been sick on more than one method of public transport. <laughs> what, in your mouth or actually like oh, on no, the floor? Like, no, no, in the, in the toilet. If Sean Tra- was on the floor. Yeah, yeah I presume so. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an animal. <laughs> Give me some credit. <laughs> <laughs> Train, coach and plane. Best thing to see that was I was I was sat facing a different direction to him, so I've just heard the massive splatter and then him run off the train. <laughs> oh, well, at least it wasn't in transit, so he's done all right. Though. It's just as we were pulled into a station, so as he spewed up, just as the doors opened and there's scrambled work? out. Because well, he couldn't hold out; he'd obviously been holding out as long as possible. And then that's what I mean, like bad bad timing, just as it pulled in. Exactly, that's what I think makes it worse. I Stank. Stank don't. As well. I it. Oh Christ! <laughs> every underground. I've never been on. Never been to Paris, but so I say every. Like, no, in, you, like in Oz, like in sort of Sydney and all, and in London, wherever you go for like tubes, they're always just bang on, and they they're always just ro- roasting no matter what, tubes, no matter yeah. the weather outside. 
people yeah. just staring at us like, was that guy with you? We're just having to keep our heads down. Like, no, I don't know anything about that. Just on the back. That's that's um, a moment you don't want to be. You don't want to speak because you don't want to know your English. <laughs> yeah, they'll hate you on site. But you ready for the judging? Yeah. All right, TK. Uh, as the guest, we'll ask you first. Which oh, Jesus it feels a bit of pressure film, attached to that. Which film did you prefer? This is actually a pretty brutal choice. I'm going to go with Donny Brasco. It's very very narrow. What about you, Keenan? Donny Brasco, mate. I'm in agreement. Which film do you think is more rewatchable? I actually think, considering it's a longer film, I actually think Donny Brasco's more rewatchable. It's a, I would have probably, if I didn't know, I would have guessed this was actually a shorter film. And I thought, the, whether it's because of the, the flow to it, as you said, with how they talk and stuff, and there's some funny moments in there, whether that helps, I don't know. But I thought Donny Brasco was pretty rewatchable. There's a director's cut with an extra 20 minutes as well that came out in 20, uh, 2007. Blimey. It's two and a half. What, Brasco? Now. Yeah. Ooh. You seen it? Uh, I believe I have once because this felt shorter this time around. I think you've got a couple more scenes in Florida. Um, and I think you've got one, one was, was just uh, in the bar. That was obviously where I was going with it. What does it include? Yeah. Ooh, must hunt that down. Um, Keenan, which do you feel is more rewatchable? Donny Brasco, mate. I agree. So it's just a lighter film, isn't it? Does that make, mm. make sense? Yeah. yeah, it definitely is, isn't it? It feels it. TK, best moment slash scene? Moment slash scene. Explaining forget about it actually could actually be the scene and the whole lot. Yeah. Cause... Raquel Welch is one hot piece of ass. Forget about <laughs> it. <laughs> because the, the best scene in, in Laws is either... Gary Oldman, or it might be Tom Hardy having his throat slit, and I don't know if Tom Hardy <laughs> having his throat slit can be the scene I put forward across two films. You can, you can. There's no rules here. You, you, you do it. Um, it's Gary Oldman. Of course, it's Gary Oldman. Come on, mate. It's just so disrespectful. It's undoubtedly forget about it. In fact, this scene, I'd put it in the top four favourites for last scene standing, and it's going to be the biggest last scene standing in the history of movie madness. Blimey. You chat shit, what a surprise. Well, no, it is the biggest. 128 films. Oh, no, just this being in the top four favourites. You're being disrespectful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whether or not that holds true regarding the film, you chat shit, so... My point stands. Keenan has a one-inch pecker. Forget about it. That's all Scott you're talking about. You go careful. <laughs> Mm. Well, um, what's you've chosen to drag us down TK best quote forget about it in itself is I guess <laughs> yeah uh, I wanted to answer. say I wanted to say with the uh, I guess this kind of goes with quotes and scenes where Depp obviously has obviously frequent arguments with his wife I will always enjoy uh, row with the wife where the argument falls on I put food on the table Mm-hmm. No matter what precedes it, he just says, you're a total bastard, you never hear it. Well, I'm not putting food on the table. What are you doing? <laughs> Every single time. It's just as, if so she's not, as if she's not at home just raising your kids. You're like, <laughs> he, oh, he, he, the only thought that runs through my head whenever like, those arguments happen is you're ungrateful prick. She's no, literally, like, literally bringing your kids up. And we all know, you're not doing this for them. You're doing it for yourself. So you're just you're talking all this shit. You're actually doing it to get away from the thing she's doing. But you're yeah. going, I'm putting food on the table. Okay. Good 
I'll be specific with the the best quote, and it's "I'm known." Forget about it. <laughs> shrug. The shrug is part of the quote. There are some big quotes in Lawless as well, though. There's a lot of a lot more sort of serious and kind of that could get on a get on a poster if you like. But uh, the one that stuck with me after watching uh, the cinema was the. Uh, I'm a bond around. We don't lay down for nobody. Hyped, were you? Well, I didn't really get into it on this podcast only because I've explained it almost every time I speak about that cinema feeling with Lawless and leaving the cinema after watching that, just knowing, okay, that that, that felt like something special. Yeah, agreed. And that was one of those... Uh, I can't remember if I watched this in a cinema or not. I, I seem to remember quite a group of us watched this at the cinema and all of us came out and just like yeah that was that was phenomenal yeah i know i bought i know i bought the dvd which is the complete opposite of what we're talking about but i do do know i own this dvd it was even harder for this because there there was real expectation going in as well obviously all the pressure on it um keenan best quote for you Hmm. let me have a let me dig through the notes i really should have done this about five minutes ago but i mean it it won't affect the score but is it it is not the violence that sets the man apart, it's the distance he's willing to go felt like the sort of thing people would be like tweeting or putting on an Instagram post. Correct. And you don't need much to have a Tom Hardy inspired Instagram post. That's <laughs> exactly. That's I have always liked the explanation of a friend of mine and a, a friend of a friend of ours. Um I have always liked that. Uh when they send for you, you go in alive, you come out dead and it's your best friend that does it. <laughs> but only because that, that is, is essentially every mob film ever. <laughs> yeah, that is bang on. Keenan. MVP. Donny. TK. I want to say Lefty, but it, no, it's Donny, isn't it? Yeah. TK, best side character. Had some trouble with this. Not actually sure who can who we can have as a side character. It's a very good point. Keenan had someone rush last week and we had to allow it, so it wasn't rush, was it? You got shot, but anyway. I think purely for his death you could have Nicky. For how shocking it is when he gets shot. Uh, I mean, because we've just said Gary Oldman isn't in it enough. So is that me saying he's actually good, but I want him in more, or yeah. don't see enough of him? Floyd Banner is a good, is a great shot. Floyd Banner mm. and probably Sonny Black would be my two. Yeah, I'm going to go with Floyd Banner. Have you listened to last week's podcast, TK, to put you on the spot? No, because that was Denefees versus Hello High Water, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen Hello High Water yet. Okay. So. All right, that raises the question I was about to ask. <laughs> Why? Well, I was about to ask if he thought the sheriff was a side character or not. He is. The biggest face on the poster. Floyd Banner was on the f- poster for Lawless, you gobshot. You've even referenced that. You've <laughs> said it on this pod. I didn't say he's my best side character. Yeah, I'm just making a point. Being on the poster is irrelevant because Floyd Banner's on the poster for these and you would you would allow this. So that's just a ridiculous way to, I'm to phrase it. I'm not giving you my best side character, so how do you know? No, it's the way you say it. Just do it to antagonise me at this point, I swear. <laughs> Floyd, ba- Floyd Banner is my best side character. Yeah. <laughs> Just do it. Just I, hope, do it. I hope whatever you have for your dinner tonight or tomorrow leaves you in an awful lot of pain. <laughs> okay. It doesn't take a lot. But I had some uh, chorizo pasta uh, and some cod. I hope it repeats on you. That's one of the safer curses you can place on someone. Correct. <laughs> That's why I did it. I'm not. I'm not a monster. Uh, TK, have I had your side character or not? Yeah, Floyd Banner. 
anonymous votes. Mine, mine is also the same. <laughs> say last week, Keenan, that there are allowances, uh, i.e. American Pie, the entire cast. Well, it, it, would de- it would depend if you've got an argument on this. If the sheriff's in it as little as Floyd Banner, he can be a side character. If he's in it a lot, then he can. He's not in it a lot. He's not in it a lot. He's not in it a lot. He probably has second most screen time after Chris Pine. It, that's, that's actually just a lie. Yeah, that, isn't it? That, Chris Pine and what's his face as his brother. And Ben, and ben Foster. Yeah, yeah it's okay. You're, you're completely yeah. right. He's there, not yeah. seen the film, so I don't want to give any spoilers. <laughs> but I, I had an idea that those two would be pretty prominent. Yeah, so is the sheriff. Fair enough. Oh, my Lord. There's about seven, there's about seven characters in it that speak. The sheriff's number three. <laughs> number four, maybe. Keenan, most powerful Don across the two films. Actually, the most powerful guy. It doesn't have to be a Don. I was going to say Don. So who, are you, uh, who, who would you call the Don in this? You only see the Don in Donnie Brasco for one scene and he walks. he's walking through a door. I mean, the, these both fit the gangster subcategory, so that's just one of the sub-questions. Yeah, I know. Um, most powerful. It's an interesting one. I'd probably mm. say... I don't think it's anyone in Donnie Brasco, really. You've got to be Forrest in Lawless, yeah. is it not? Yeah, maybe for, I mean, for most of the film, or for parts of the film, you'd argue Guy Pierce, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, Santo Traficante and uh, Donnie? It's, it's a, it is a good shout. However, he's just not, just not in it enough, is he? No. Excuse me. Forrest runs a pretty tight ship. Mm-hmm. Fair. Yeah, does survive what? Four gunshots to the chest and a slit throat. Just to go, <laughs> just to go out the way he goes out. By the way, yeah, I'd actually forgotten that <laughs> at the ending. I was like, okay, this is a bit like <laughs> odd, but they yeah. went out funny. <laughs> Considering the film, they thought we'll die funny. Interesting. So Do you know if that's how he, in the trivia did it come out? That's actually how he got uh, away. No, it didn't. no, there was very little about the actual book. Yeah. Strange. Yeah, are, we, are we going with Lawless for that then? Yeah, I would. Keenan, which film is better dressed? Donnie Brasco. TK? Yeah, for sure. I do like the whole thing with Lawless that they've set it somewhere different and it's a different sort of spin on the gangster thing down south. That a different sort of vibe, obviously. Donnie Brasco is a lot more slick, ain't it? TK, best soundtrack? Donnie Brasco. Keenan? It is Donnie Brasco, but shout out to Lawless because I do do like the little band, some of the banjo. Yeah, I was going to go Lawless for that, but... Mm. Um, TK originality. It's tricky, it's not like they're both obviously based on true stories. Um, I'll go with Lawless just because, as I said, it's slightly different to most gangster films we've seen in terms of setting. And I guess, although it's not exactly like Donnie Brasco, uh, I'm going to go undercover and infiltrate a thing is something we've seen before. Keenan, I think it's Lawless just, but. Prohibition, you have seen a lot of. You also see a lot of after this. Mm, so nice, there was a nice little spike, actually, wasn't there? In and around this time. Yeah. Um, TK, bigger impact. So, as much as I say, like, how much, like you said, you came out of the cinema thinking that was a massive film we just seen in Lawless. I don't know how big an impact I thought it had in general. No, I think it got swallowed up in 2012. I mean, you have Dark Knight Rises literally in the, in the same. Yeah, yeah, for example. Uh, if, you think that, if you think of that time period, I think you do think of Dark Knight and Django is a good, very good show actually as well in there. I mean, in terms of blockbusters, American Hustle was big that year. But I think Donnie Brasco is probably 
traditionally been swallowed up by its competitors as well in terms of how it gets remembered. Um, probably Donny still. Keenan? I don't think this might be recency bias, but I, I think it might be lawless. Because you are whilst it was a big year, it did still do ridiculously well. Like if you ask people about '97, I think Donny Brasco probably they're, they're probably each other's yeah. equivalent in terms of the year of film. Yeah, agreed. So it might just be might just be recency bias because obviously I was like three when Donny Brasco came out, but I can remember the hype and the success of Lawless a lot better. So we level it with the essential. You ask five people, five year mates. Have you seen Lawless? Have you seen Donny Brasco? I think Lawless wins that one, right? Yeah, yeah, fair. TK, uh, scene. It's opening scene, did you say? Yeah. How far are we going with Lawless for the opening scene is the thing? I'd probably give you the scuffle outside of... That's probably as equal into it as the discussion between Donny and Lefty. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Lawless the nod, I think. Well, I do like the Donny opening, but I'm going to give it to Lawless. What about you, Keenan? Going to give it to Donny Brasco, mate. Yeah, I am. Stick with you, Keenan. Best ending? Donny Brasco. TK? Yeah, yeah, I think he's got to be. I agree. And finally, best chemistry, TK? Yeah, I think that's got to be Donny Brasco as well. I think it's the strength of the film. Often a lot of it lies in that. Keenan? Yeah, I agree. So it's a 10-4 win in the end for Donny Brasco. I know it doesn't affect the score, but what, what was your was your answer, Donny Brasco, for chemistry as well? Yeah, it was, yeah. So let me just have a quick look at something. I'm just trying to see which side of the bracket it was on to uh, see if the streak continues. Mm-hmm. Which I believe it does, and I thought this was a threat. No, Donny Brasco is on the right-hand side. Oh, well. So that is Finally got one, baby. That's the first L for the left-hand side of the bracket. Um, so that does go through to the next round. Next week, we are switching up in tone, and we have Snatch against Hangover Part 2. Hmm. Nice. It's a lot more light-hearted, isn't it? I'm going to hazard a guess and say Sean will be back, but I wouldn't put too much money on it. What's your money like on TK Keenan? Betting against. Probably a safe bet. Mm. Hey, I'm, I'm a guest feature. Coming as and when. So, Sean. Yeah, but I think he said he was supposed to be in for the whole series. That's the difference. That's, he did. Um, I never said I was. He's been on one episode since saying that. <laughs> in five weeks, I believe. Absolute diva. There we go. Okay, that does bring us to a halt. So, thank you again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. We will be back next week. We'll also have Spitballing Pod on Monday night, as always. So thank you. We'll be back. Goodbye.